Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. Hey guys, it's Josiah Keneally and before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know about an exciting opportunity. You're invited this July 21st and 22nd to our first ever Young Adults Today leader conference for the west coast at mariners church in southern california this is a rallying point for leaders for pastors for teams and for young adult ministry leaders college ministry leaders to rally together grow in their faith grow and planning and starting and strengthening their ministries planning out this fall exchanging resources and building relationships that can last a lifetime it won't be the same without you so join us this july 21st and 22nd at mariners church again it's in southern california you can find out more details and registration is at www.youngadults.today click on events and join us this july at mariners church in california west coast conference let's do it and here's for today's episode what's up guys hope you're feeling alive right now i'm micah keneally and i'm josiah keneally and we want to welcome you to the young adults today podcast where we talk about reaching the next generation of young adults for christ in our world today we're joined today by our guest dr john Gallagher. welcome to the show thanks guys it's great to be with you and to be able to talk about something that's so important and near to your heart and to mine too I love it. And if you are tuning in for the very first time and you don't know who Dr. John Dollager is and you don't even know who we are, that's okay. Because if you want to go back and listen to anything that we've recorded and you can rate, subscribe, review, let us know what God's doing in your life. Let us know if you have any questions along the way. And we would just love to hear from you in that regard. And one of the things that we've said literally in every episode is that we're all about existing to reach mm-hmm. young adults in our world today. And mm-hmm. the world is bigger than just Minnesota or the Midwest or even the continental United States of America. The world is the nations. And today's episode, we're really going to lean mm-hmm. into Dr. John, some of his work with his wife, Jen, and we'll introduce them in just a second. But this uh, episode really mm-hmm. has a focus on international reach and mm-hmm. cross-cultural because the next generation, mm-hmm. Gen Z, is broader than just the United States. In fact, a lot of sociologists have made a case that this is the most globalist, you know, our, our Gen Z is globalized with technology, um, interconnected. Mm-hmm. And Dr. John and his wife, Jennifer, are world missionaries to Costa Rica with a vision to raise up the next generation of men and women, mm-hmm. future leaders to reach the world for God. And we'd love to start Uh, John, with you and just maybe some of your story of life, family, ministry, and leadership today. Yeah, sure. Well, great. Well, hi to everybody out there. And uh, it's a treat to be with you all and to be able to speak a little bit about what it means to become the adult Christian that God wants us all to be and what that process looks like a little bit. And so a bit of my story, I grew up in a missionary family in Costa Rica, I was four years old when my family moved to Costa Rica from Minnesota, and so I graduated from high school there. And uh, when I came back to college in the U.S., I knew in one way or another God wanted to use us, uh, use me to reach the nations somehow. But I didn't, um, I never thought I would work with youth because I wasn't one of those cool guys. So so uh, <laughs> pic- pic- picture, picture my... Uh, 
my college days, this was the late 80s, right? And so when I did my internship uh, in 1990, uh, the the cool guys, the youth guys, they were wearing fluorescent yellow and orange hats. And, you know, it was, uh, I, I didn't relate to half of what they were saying because I hadn't grown up in the U.S. I didn't, a lot of cultural cues I kind of missed because I was just from somewhere else. And so I was a I was a Greek and Hebrew Bible nerd, and so in college that was my world. And so I felt kind of stiff and out of place uh, so, with the so with the whole youth the, thing. Was was like were skinny jeans in? You know, you mentioned the fluorescent, but like what what else was a trend? Maybe. Uh, okay, so um, so <laughs> I'm, let me picture one of the really cool guys uh, at college. He was wearing. Uh, sort of pastel pink and like mint green checkered uh, shorts, you know, with a pink tank top. Okay. So that, that kind of look is almost like the Barbie and Ken from Toy Story. <laughs> so yes. do you think that like everything yes. repeats itself? Do you think it'll ever come back? Oh, ah, well, things always come back. Yeah. So, so my wife, Jennifer, she, she was the first one in her high school that pinned her jeans to make them look more like skinny jeans. Like she got like little bobby pins and would put them in her her jeans so yeah things do come around i have a i have an adidas warm-up jacket a black one with with white stripes from 1999 that i had bought and it's totally back in i went i just went to a store the other day they had one just like it so so uh, yeah things <laughs> things cycle around it's pretty fun so so after after college I joined a church planting team um, inner city Chicago. I just like, I want to be in an extreme experience where I have to really wrestle my faith to the ground. So here's maybe the first observation that comes from my story that I use a lot is um, in my case, I came from a Christian family and a ministry family. And I went straight into a Christian college where everything was Christian and everything was church. And when I got out, I needed to figure out my faith for myself. For and sure. so because my family were in ministry, my last name was known within our church circles in Minnesota. When I went to Chicago, inner city, I got a job at a tortilla factory and and uh, worked with, you know, in an, in an environment where nobody knew anything about the church bubble that I had grown up in. And I had to kind of work it out for myself. And, and uh, I saw several families come to the Lord. I invited people to church. I drove a big bus picking up kids from the housing projects. And I led a Thursday night Bible study with people that were way older than me and, and uh, spoke into me and helped me to become more authentic. So it's easy when you're in a really tight church bubble to feel like, is this faith mine or is it just something I inherited from a bunch of other people? Mm -hmm. And and so for me, that was a real important step in the process of saying, what does being a Christian mean for me? Not just because my parents are missionaries, not just because I you know the church world for me. And so, um, but at, at the, at the end of two years, I had, I had helped to start a church. There were families serving Jesus. Uh, I was part of a community of that little small group that I led that loved me deeply and and really authentically um and and so that was really life-giving for me and um i knew that that was a two-year commitment so after, at the end of that commitment 
I went, came back to the Twin Cities and went to Bethel Seminary. And I knew that that seminary training, I knew I was going to be a teacher, having been the Bible nerd, Greek nerd. I loved it. I knew teaching was my thing. So uh, I got to be young adults pastor at a church for six years. I love it. As I was in seminary. And so the first three years part-time, the next three years full-time. So we work with young adults and small groups, and I led worship at a church in St. Paul, Summit Church. And and uh, and all of a sudden, I was in a place where I was helping people that were in the same place in life as I was. So this is one thing that happens with a, a lot of young adults ministries, is that you wind up being almost the same age as the people you're working with, Right. Yep. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just like, I'm the pastor, I'm going to tell you what to do. But it was like, let's figure this out together. And so some really cool things happened during that time where we started to grow together. So one example, at the end of every Bible study, we never had more than 35 people in our group. But it was always rotating because people were in grad school, people were in college, people were moving, people were going other places. And so we just decided to try to be as authentically Christian with each other as we could in, in like a really real way. And so at the end of every Bible study, we broke up into little circles of three or four people. And we just said, everyone say something you need prayer for this week. And, and as simple as that was, was, was radical for a lot of people. Like even for me personally, being in ministry, um, my uncle got sick with throat cancer and it was tearing me up and nobody in the church office was asking me every day about it and that kind of thing. But the guys in that little circle at the end of the Thursday night Bible studies, they always did. How's your uncle? How you doing with that? You okay? You hanging in there? And, and they were praying for me mm-hmm. in a way that was just completely legit. And so um, that was one thing. Another, another example from that time working with young adults is that a group of us were sitting around one day and someone said, I haven't memorized a Bible verse in years. And we're all like, uh, yeah, us too. So, so we decided to get on a little Bible memorization thing. So we got a hold of the navigators topical memory system. Amazing. And uh, yeah, a little box that I got at the bio at the Christian bookstore. And it had 24 verses. They're basic verses about what it means to be a Christian. And so we went through them and the Bible study was on one of the verses each week for a whole semester for six months of a year. And if you didn't bring it in already memorized, we just sat down at the end and memorized it together. So at the end of every every Thursday night Bible study, we all went away with one memorized verse. And we just decided that that's like, that was a priority. We wanted, we wanted to learn. Another example, um, we realized that we didn't really know how to pray like for supernatural mm-hmm. intervention over each other. And so again, in a series of weeks, we just like one person at the end of every Bible study, we put them in the hot seat and made a circle around them and laid hands on them and just took turns praying and praying and praying. And what else, what are the big things in your life that you want us to help, you know, really believe for a breakthrough on? And we just learned how to pray for each other. And uh, okay, one more example. I'm the, like I'm giving a lot of these examples, but but uh, we we also decided that we we were like the whole like silence and silent prayer and meditation and spiritual disciplines and those kind of things. We we we've just never really gone there. How about we do a retreat 
where we so we went up to the to the boundary waters on the Gunflint Trail to a to a, a camp called Adventurous Christians. So the have you heard of that one? Yep. I have not, but it, the name says it all. <laughs> okay, so it's like this, like these big log cabins, right? The 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 family, the couple that ran it, had two dog sled teams. It was the coolest thing, like the the dog sled dogs, and they had been like in movies and stuff doing stunts for stunt doubles for people in movies, and they did the Adidarod dog yeah. sled things. Anyway, so we went there, and it's in the spring or something, and and we just had we just had these moments of silence and meditative prayer and then prayer in the spirit. And then, you know, practicing journaling and listening to God. And that was radical for us to like, just grab a hold of the Christian disciplines that were like the historical Christian disciplines that we'd heard about, but no one had really done. And so, so uh, this was a really cool time. And out of that group, there were a number of people that literally saw us in the yellow pages. Now you guys may not even, like some people may not even have ever seen a phone book with yellow pages, but we had taken out an ad and for the church and it just, you know, was for the church and the different ministries included kids, youth, adults, divorce recovery. We had, you know, addiction things that stuff that we did, but then we put young adults and there were literally probably in any given time, at least a half a dozen people that walked into our young adults group because they saw that in the yellow pages and were willing to give God one more shot. Wow. In some cases, they had grown up in practicing or nominal Christian families for whatever reason in college or after college, just felt a need for community and felt a need for God and wound up walking in and just kind of became part of the group. And we had to answer questions and be real. And so it was, that was an amazing time, an amazing adventure. And it was, it was, again, it was never a huge group, but it was tasty. It was, it was deep, you know, it was kind of rich. And so go go ahead, Josiah. Oh, it's incredible. I love that part about the yellow pages because I think of like, what are the yellow pages of today? And I think it's Google. Like we've, when we were leading at a church, so many people would come Mm -hmm. because they saw something on Mm -hmm. Facebook or they saw um, like a church near me and and Google has, I mean, some crazy features where it's like, they know your age, they know your demographics. So by having a young adult ministry button on your website, if a young adult is new to the area and they say church near me, right. like just kind of like the yellow pages, but take it to 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's amazing to see how God will use a yellow page ad. He'll use Google and, and just people will be searching. And so to make sure that we're ready for people to search and find mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and to say like, we're ready for you to come. Yeah, totally. Good. Totally. A couple more memories from that time that connect with maybe our next themes that we're going to talk about. Um, I realized during that time that even though I'm like, who am I to be like Mr. Pastor to these guys that are the same age as me or sometimes older, a number of them were older, but it, it wasn't that complicated. It was just a matter of being interested in people. And literally, this is what would happen. I'd say, hey, um, let's go grab coffee. And then we're sitting there chit-chatting. Hey, tell me how work's going and tell me, you know, hey, that girl you liked or whatever, you know, and that that kind of thing. And then 
all it would take to turn the corner is say, how can I be praying for you? Bingo. And, 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 and I mean, people would go into, man, I'm worried about this thing or that thing, or my mom is, you know, got this or that. And, and all of a sudden it, it got personal and real and, and you listen and you're like, let's pray about that. And, and you just, you take a moment and pray together. And there are people that to this day will say, do you remember the time we went out for coffee? And, and, and if you just pay attention, what is God doing in their life? And um, there was one guy that was, that was a sound guy at the church, a pretty new Christian and had tried going to a Bible college and gotten kicked out after a semester or something. I don't know what happened exactly, but, but he felt like he had kind of failed, failed God. And, and uh, just sitting with him and he was super faithful and he was always worshiping the Lord and he was always connected. And I'm like, dude, you don't need to give up on serving the Lord because something, something didn't work out once. Right. Uh, I think the Lord still has his hand on your life. And just the other day, he had me at his church. He's a pastor. He's been a pastor for 20 years. And he says, I, I never forgot that conversation. I had forgotten. I, I, I didn't remember that at all. But but those moments, like people remember that and that touches people's lives. So maybe a word for those that are working with young adults out there. Um, you might say, who am I? Who, who am I to be like pastor or spiritual person or whatever? You know what? You're just a friend and we do what Christians do. And that is we listen to what God is doing in each other. We pray for each other. You know, if someone confesses that they're struggling with something, you know, we hear them out and we, and we're like, well, do you want to get out of it or not? Because if you, if you want to lick this thing, you know, I can be on your team. If you just, if you just said that to get it off your chest to feel better, you're going to go right back to it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you too much, but, but if people want to respond to the Lord, then those are the moments when those conversations happen. So yeah. I think intentionality is definitely something that this generation desires and we all desire it. Right. But I think it's just becoming more and more evident, the intentional community, meaning asking the probing questions, asking the questions that nobody else is asking and I think that we need to be as leaders, like ready for anything that comes out of their mouth. Right. So sometimes I know like our reactions or our nonverbals can speak louder than our words at times. And I'm like, if you're going to open up a can of worms or be willing to lean into somebody's messy, just be mindful of what may come out. We have no idea what people are walking in and through. And I think this generation is they're dying to be asked the right question at the right time. And for leaders that we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, we need to be reading the word of God ourselves. We need to be retreating ourselves. And I think so many times we run into what you had alluded to prior in this conversation is many young adult pastors. I know when I started out in ministry and Josiah started out and we started ministry together, we were still in our twenties. So we were leading people that were maybe 28, 29 years old, but still functioning as maybe a 20 year old living with mom and dad, taking a couple courses here and there. So to know that how much life can happen in those 12 years and there's no right or wrong route. It's just a matter of people's spiritual growth. And are we providing that as pastors and people and leaders? Are we allowing them to ask for prayer? Are we offering prayer community reading and like worshiping? Are we 
um, just providing those opportunities to invite yeah. one more person to our table. And I think even when we don't know how to walk in it with somebody, we can walk beside them. And I think that they just need to know, like, we don't have all the answers as pastors. And I just want to alleviate that pressure. If you're a pastor listening and you're like, I just need to know all the answers. And I need to know the deep theological X, Y, Z. And what does it mean in Greek? What does it mean in Hebrew? What does it mean today? And I think to realize, like, just admit that you don't know, but you want to learn. Because if we're going to be leaders and lifelong learners, then we need to be humble enough to admit that we are not God. We are not the Holy Spirit, but we want to discover what, you know, what that is it means in response to people's questions or their own messiness to say, hey, I'm a friend. This is going to walk beside you. I don't know the theological answer. Let's dig this out. Let's figure it out together. And I think that makes us human and people don't put us on a pedestal um, when we worship things around us unknowingly, right? So I remember I was at a job interview one time and I was in college and working a part-time job. And in the interview, the manager of that store said, um, do you know what intellectual honesty means? And I go, can you explain what you mean by intellectual <laughs> honesty? And I passed that question because so many people, he would ask that question who was working in sales. And he just wanted to know, like, if somebody mm. asks you a question, are you just kind of going to make something up and, <laughs> and think about it? And do you, do you talk to think or do you think to talk? And because I responded with the question, I passed. I was like, well, can you tell me more okay. about what you mean? And I think about it now. Do you know what intellectual honesty means? Are you willing to admit when you don't know everything? Mm -hmm. And that was the key to that job was like, you don't know, to, you don't need to know everything about TVs or electronics, but I'd rather admit that know, I don't know than pretend. And yeah. I think I feel even more silly. Yeah. And I'm thankful that I asked that question or that, but I, but I think that so often people are asking us that question as a pastor or, or to us, they may view us as a theologian and it's like, Hey, are you willing to admit that you don't have all the answers? And yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, I think that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe if I can mention one more part of that young adult's time and then segue into something else. Um, one of the things that we found is that young adults want to serve. And so, I mean, and, and that hasn't changed. It's, it's always been the case, right? So we found that we, we started doing a little series of serving experiments with, with our young adults. So we went down to the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul, like a homeless mission, and served meals a few times and uh, nursing homes. And helping out with different things around the church and such. And we found that that there were people that would come to the serving events that hadn't even connected to like the Bible study and mm -hmm. the spiritual parts yet. But but uh, there's always something when you're in that age range that you, you sometimes need to do it before you believe it. Mm -hmm. You need to put it to practice. And, and so, um, so that's interesting. And in Costa Rica, we, we're finding the same thing. So in, at our church, our church, the church that we planted a couple of years ago is mostly, mostly young adults, people in their twenties and into their thirties and many, many singles and so on, but they want to get out and they want to serve, you know, the homeless and they want to help out people and they want to do stuff even sometimes before they come to a service. And so when we create options for them to serve, it really makes a big difference. Yeah, I think 
I th- I would definitely agree with what you're saying, John. And I think it just becomes more evident that people's buy-in goes up and they show up because I have a responsibility. I'm bringing X, Y, and Z, or I'm setting up the room or I'm, I'm greeting people today. Like it gives them a reason to come and serve more than just absorbing what's being taught from the altars or whatever. So I, I love that. I've seen that in the last 10, 15 years of ministry that that's not gone away. And I don't think it is going anywhere because people right. want to feel like they're a part of something and everybody has something to offer, even if we haven't maybe presented the opportunity or invitation yet. And I would just be curious to see or hear why do you believe that reaching the next generation is so important in our day and age? And what are you seeing in the midst of the teenagers and the young adult years? Yeah. So, um, so just a context of what our ministry looks like on a day-to-day basis in Costa Rica. I'm the director of the, of the Bible college. We call it the theological seminary in San Jose, Costa Rica. And out of there, we were able to do a lot of ministry stuff. So create youth ministry events and create children's ministry events. And and we've planted a church and we're going to work on another one here this next year and and a lot of stuff. But it's all basically working with young adults. I mean, that's where our students mostly are, is people that are feeling a call from God that are in their 20s mostly that are coming into school and, and, and saying, what does God want with my life? So here's one of my convictions. That, that at a global level, and I'm going to lay out the statement. It's going to sound a little cryptic at first, and then we'll unpack it. So what good is a global church that's only one generation deep? Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that we can be filling up our churches with new Christians and new Christians and new Christians and new Christians. But when the next generation comes up, we lose them. So if we lose the teens, adolescents, the young adults, and they don't become Christian adults to keep on going, then the church is only one generation deep. It's always one generation deep. But there's something powerful that happens in the second generation. If you've grown up in the church and and you're, you, you've been surrounded by people with just this, this worldview, of serving God and knowing the presence of God and living in holiness and living with a life that, that is there to serve other people. And, and if you've had mature examples that show you what leadership looks like in a, in a mature Christian sense, and, and if you've grown up serving and, and understanding the scriptures and serving the Lord, when you get into your stride as an adult, if you've really wrestled your faith down, and if you've gone through that transition from childhood faith to adult faith, then you become a whole different kind in mm-hmm. some ways of Christian than those that are brand new. I mean, if I was a drunk in college and I got saved and then I'm trying to unlearn all the bad patterns that I developed 23 years um developed over 23 years that that's harder as an adult i have a i have i'm i'm undoing a lot of stuff but if you're a christian and and you grow up in the church and you have that orientation to serve the lord you've worked through a lot of those things maybe didn't have some of the complexes that that gives you a head start mm-hmm. and uh, i hope that doesn't sound elitist Mm-mm. but but we need we need people that are second and third and fourth generation Christians that have fully integrated their faith into adult life and can and can serve the world and serve the Lord. 
And that's why young adults ministry is important because we have to help people make the transition from immature teen faith, excitable, hey, let's go to concerts and let's do goofy stuff to to fully formed people of God. Mm. When you pair spiritual formation with the young adult years, I just think that it is that age and season of life where you are asking hard questions, where you're making lifelong decisions and um, the hybrid of those two things, spiritual formation among emerging adults. I think it's just so, so powerful, so vital. Mm -hmm. And I've been, by the way, to Costa Rica, I think it was 2012 and been with you and Jennifer and just been on a team of, it was mostly youth and young adults who came to serve and do school assemblies and whether it was singing songs or serving, um, Mm -hmm. just making a difference and just to see the the church planting, to see the excitement Mm -hmm. that's in the next generation of Costa Rican young adults is, uh, it was just so inspiring to me. And two of the things, um, or a couple of the things that stood out to me in our conversations on that trip, one of them is you were just paralleling like, hey, this is what the church looks like in America. This is what the church looks like in Costa Rica and maybe some of the differences. And I seem to remember one of them was like in America, right? At the end of the year, so much is said about like tax deductible donations. (laughs) And you're like, well, in Costa Rica, this is just an offering to the Lord. So if there's a building project or if there's an offering that's given, this is pure generosity. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in return. There's no strings attached. It's not going to be tax deductible. And that's just not a thing globally in different cross-cultural settings. And that was eye-opening. The second was similar in America. Sometimes in the West, we view like church staffing as the next step or so important of like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're part-time and you're full-time and not to discredit vocational church ministry, but you were just talking about the power of a volunteer army Mm. in Costa Rica. And our theme this year in 2023 with young adults today is equipping the saints. And I saw that firsthand in Costa Rica. That was something that was so powerful. And I think so vital and critical is just, and you've even touched on it today in this conversation of like the opportunity for young adults to serve because they want to be a part of the team. It's as if like that old song, like put me in coach, I'm ready to play. And I'd love to follow up those statements with maybe a question that love to know um, when it comes to generation Z, these are the young adults in our world today. What are you seeing maybe across the globe or cross culturally? And what might be the differences that you might say, see or say mm-hmm. of like, perhaps a young adult in Costa Rica or somebody in Gen Z in America, what do you see as differences or similarities? Yeah. Yeah. So one, one of the, one of the trends that we're seeing in Latin America is that secularization is growing very quickly. And maybe that, maybe to to kind of unpack what that means 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Every Costa Rican would have said they're either Catholic or evangelical. I mean, 98% of Costa Ricans would have said they were religious. They believed in God. They believed in sin. They believed the Bible was God's word in one way or another, something like that. Now, out of the 80% that might have identified as Catholic, maybe only 20% were practicing. And many of them 
I mean, there was as much alcoholism and prostitution and teen pregnancy as any country in the world. But but <laughs> but at least they there was sort of a, a, a Christian framework for conversation. Now that all of a sudden has shrunk by twenty seven percent. So twenty seven percent of Costa Ricans in a in a in, in a survey done in twenty twenty one now say they don't believe in God. They have no church affiliation, no church background. They're agnostic or atheist. Wow. And and that is a monster change in 15 years, 20 years. Wow. And so um and so there is a movement and in some cases intentional in some cases just because of what happens as we're globalized and we see more perspectives but like the the uh, the far left agendas in some of our countries um have have been so swift and so transformative and so revolutionary that that kids coming up through grade school and high school now assume that all of that is normal and and it has produced craziness on university campuses on high school campuses and all of a sudden not only is it well those evangelicals are are kind of goofy because they're not us catholics no, this is like these are the bad people. The the religious people, Catholics and evangelicals, are considered bad people in a lot of circles. Wow. And and all of a sudden, so so this is a huge change. So the kids that are growing up, uh, that are Christian kids that are going through junior high, high school right now, are not in a um they're not in a Catholic environment. They're not in a gently unfavorable. In many cases, they're in an aggressively antagonistic um, cultural setting, very much like they are in the States. Yeah. And so, and so some people would say, well, Latin America, that's easy because they all believe in God and they're all Christian. That's not the case anymore. Uh, there's been a huge change. So with these kids, like we have to, we have to not only teach them and tell them about Bible and God and values and all that kind of thing. We have to walk with them. Mm-hmm. So like missions trips become so important because they have to see how the gospel works. Um, like, and, and when I'm talking about missions trips in Costa Rica, literally I'm talking about taking kids from the city and going out to other places and serving in other places mm-hmm. and praying and really believing and having to do spiritual warfare and all this yeah. kind of stuff because, because they need to taste for themselves. Yeah. What it means, what it means to serve yeah. the Lord and, and discipleship. Well, an important part of discipleship is these missions trips and these serving experiences and these pilgrimages where they're going somewhere else to connect with God. That's incredible. I remember Josiah and I were on a mission trip. I don't know if I can say where, but we were on a mission trip out of country. And it's the realization of how how many, how much people have we have access to so many things. But it's like we don't access the right things always, a walk in nature, um, a gift or a talent or an ability within us. And I think we were we were taking this group of students on this big nature walk and this hike and just sharing the gospel. And I don't know what soaked in or what went over their head or some people leaned in. Some people said, I don't know why I'm here, but I just wanted to be outside away, um, away from my studies and just think of something different for once. And I think. When we do that, when we get out in nature and we get in God's creation and we do wrestle things to the ground, I think of, I think of Jacob, like he wrestled with that angel and then like he was renamed Israel. Right. And I just think sometimes we need to 
unfortunately, even as believers and pastors position ourselves in those Jacob moments to really understand, not even if I'm wrestling with the word of God, but the approach of ministry in a culture that is so anti. And if we don't know what we believe, and if we're not theologically sound and our morals and our values of a new Christian Testament marriage and relationships and mentoring and discipleship are not in alignment with the word of God, what are they aligning with? And I would say, this is just my opinion. If they're not aligning with the word of God, then they're probably aligning with a way of the world, right? Yeah. And I think when we we lose, like we talked about those generational people, the people who've gone before us, the people who talk to God, they hear from the Lord, they're moved by the spirit, they're responding. There's an immediate obedience that's taken place in their lifestyle. And when that's not demonstrated or emulated in a household or in a church mm-hmm. or um, on a college campus, for whatever reason, whether it's a non-Christian family or it is a restriction of the government or if it is a restriction of the university, whatever those rules and guidelines are, they're worldly guidelines that they're living and, you know, putting down, putting their stake in the ground. But as Christians, like, are we willing to wrestle with our own faith when and, and the faith of others? And do we know what we believe? And I think mentorship mm-hmm. is such a crucial thing. And to understand that I always get the image of like, I'm not me, but anybody of the older generation, like my arms should be lifting up, holding hands and linking it with somebody who's been going further than I could ever go, who's seen more than I could ever see when it comes to the holiness of God and the, the ways of this world and can speak truth into my life. And then it's my opportunity. And I should say, I would say mandate, I feel like from the Lord to, to, to be discipling somebody else, to go out and to, and for me to reach the nations, I need to be reached by generations that have gone before me, not only through the word of God and my relationship with him and all those spiritual things, but then I need to reach down with my other hand of saying, who am I rising? Who am I raising up? Who am I going to hoist onto my shoulders who can go further than I could ever go? And I always think of Elisha and Elijah. And I think of when uh, I came to the end of Elijah's life and Elisha's like, I want the double portion. Like I want more than what, like what you ever had. And I think we as leaders need to start praying that we are an Elisha and that we are an Elijah Yeah, because we are in a very pivotal moment of life and society. And it is critical. And our lives at some point, God forbid, could be put on the line for the word and for the, the name of Jesus. And are we willing to, to do what God's call us to do to the very end? And when it comes to mentorship, John, we have so many young adults, whether they're pastors, they're single, they're dating, they're married, they're engaged themselves. Um, they have questions. What do I look for in a mentor? Uh, how, how many mentors should I have? Do I really give right. one person the right to speak over all areas of my life? And do I limit it to uh, one person? Or do I find somebody yeah. that, oh my gosh, they are raising good and godly children who are full grown adults serving the Lord. I'm going to learn from this couple or this woman or man, whoever you want to, you want to mentor, be mentored by. I say, I really like and enjoy the fact that I've seen the way you've parented. Can you teach me, you know, I I want to give you a right to my parenting techniques and styles. Like how do we raise children or the spirituality? Like how do I hear and discern the voice of God? Like how do I activate those gifts and function? And if I have a gift or a talent of the prophetic, how do I do that with a tamed heart and spirit and, and know that. So John, if you could just speak into any and all facets 
of mentorship, the importance of young adults yeah. to be mentored themselves, 18 to 30 year old, but then also yeah. the leader, because when we are leaders and we stop being mentored, we're choosing to stop growing in ways. And we do not have, we open ourselves, I think, to vulnerability and attack of the enemy because we're not under um, the authority or the, I don't know, what would it be considered? I'm scared to tell my mentor what would it be considered. The accountability, more or less, is not there because I think we can hide under the Bible, under the umbrella, or hide under our leadership, or hide in the church. So however you want to take that, that's just been resonating with a lot of our listeners, I think, and yeah. also with a lot of young adults we come across, whether they're new believers and they're 30, or they are 22 and they're on fire for the Lord. Like, where are all the good mentors? And I think that's, what do we need to look for? Yeah. Yeah. So great question, Micah. And there's, there's, a there's a number of things that I would say are really important. Number one, probably not going to have one mentor for every area of your life. There's a, in, in Latin America, in our world, there's this huge movement that's been going on for a while that like, you have to be under spiritual authority of one person and like Bye. everything, all your major decisions, you should submit to them. I don't believe that at all. Um, I, uh, for my life, I, there's there's one couple that I go to with financial stuff because they're just brilliant and and they can help me think through leadership and strategy stuff, you know that kind of thing. But there's there's some other people that if I have something really personal and like a hurt or something, I just need someone to pray with me and unpack somebody else. And there's there's other people that have been in my life at different times that become reference points for other things. And so so um, I but I do look. When I'm when I'm with someone that I'm like, wow, I would love to talk to them more. And and if they're open, hey, can we do coffee? Can we can I get together with you? And this started from when I was 18, 19. I just decided, you know, there was a teacher, a couple of teachers at in college that I'm like, I'm just gonna go pop in their office and see if they want to talk to me. And if I have a question or two, and all of a sudden they're interested and they're asking me questions back and like, okay. You know, there's someone older that's willing to hang out a little bit and to and to spend some time with me. And some of those relationships develop have developed into relationships that have now been on for 35 years. And wow. there's others that kind of, you know, it's cool and we greet each other, but it never got any deeper. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got out of college, again, there was a pastor that was nearby where we were working in Chicago and he just like, hey, you want to get together for breakfast? And so we connect and I learned a ton from him. But so here's, here's one of the things I say, when you're in one of those first conversations, if you're the young person and, and a, come up with like a, a softball question, something, something that's not too personal, too compromising or whatever, and just say, you know what, what, do you, what would you suggest for someone that really wants to live a life of integrity before God? Or what would you, you know, and see how they answer. And if there's a sharp edge to what they say, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can trust them. But if, but if they're, if they're gentle, if they're gracious, if they mm -hmm. ask you questions in return, then maybe that's a person that, that there's an open door with that you might want to, you know, trust with more things. So um, if you are a, a young adult leader and, and uh, you're going to need to take some of the initiative with the, with the people that are coming into your circle. And so, uh, but, but it takes kind of a humility on both sides to mm -hmm. ask for help and to offer help. Because if I'm cocky and I just want to show everyone how smart and cool I am, then, 
then they're going to pick up on that. You, you just want to do coffee with me because you can put it on your calendar that you had coffee with 10 people this week, you know. But if they're like, but if you are really interested and want to hear, want to listen, the biggest thing is listen, right? If you're the mentor, what's going on? How are you doing? You mentioned your, you know, this situation. Tell me more about that. It seemed like, like you said that with some feeling. What, what does that mean to you? And all of a sudden we're listening, holy listening is such an important part of mentoring. And, and uh, here's another part of mentoring that, that I'm just going to mention real quick. We can move on to something else if, if you want. But in Costa Rica, a few years ago, there was a college kid that came into, into town from the country. His dad gave me a call. Hey, Joseph is in town you know, for college. Do you think you can get together with him? So I called him up. He's like, yeah. So we got together. We went to Taco Bell, I think. And, and I realized he was a musician. And so we pulled him onto our worship team and we were doing some stuff. And one day he said, uh, I'm in this um, child psychology class in college and uh, I need to observe a family for a whole afternoon and evening. Can I come to your house and just observe you and how you interact with your kids? And we're like, okay. And, and so he came over and he was sitting there when the kids got home from school and how they interacted and what they did. He was writing things down. He asked them questions and he sat with us at dinner while we were having dinner and watched our interaction. And, and he's 37 now. Wow. And he still talks about that. Wow. He's, he's like, you guys let me watch you. You guys let me into your life. And then he went on to be just a great friend and person that we spent a ton of time with, but but uh, that kind of watching, if if I'm a young person, and when I was young, when there were people that would let me into their life and let me watch how they interact with their spouse and and pray with me and watch them pray and and allow me to see you know, kind of the inner workings, um, those were powerful connections and they changed my life. And so there are other people, uh, Josiah, I think you and I talked one at one point. Uh, about an idea in Latin America that's not, it doesn't have a, a great translation into English, but the, it, it's the word referente. And so uh, there's people that you don't get to be real close to, but you watch them out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. And and who they are and what they do becomes an example and a, and a model for you. Mm. And that's really important too, because not all of your mentors are going to be your best buddy. Some of your mentors are people that you read their books Yep. Or you're watching them online or you watch their videos, you listen to their podcasts in this case. And, and all of a sudden what they do and how they respond becomes a pattern for you. And you're like, I want to be like that. And, and I think working with young adults, we sometimes um, don't understand the power of a life well-lived. Wow. And, and, and if you are intentional about your own spiritual growth, sometimes things that you just say in passing people are like what you mentioned your devotions this morning well is that a thing do, do people do that oh i guess what i'm gonna try that you know or or you say hey you know my wife and i sat down and we we mentioned the three good things that from from the day before bed and people are like what does that mean well we just unpack you know some of the highlights and the things we're grateful for so we go to bed feeling grateful oh no way and and so there's things that you can say in passing when you are intentional with your own life the people will pick up on, and then you become a reference point. So let's not underestimate the power of example. That's great. Dr. John, that's so good. And I think of the, the now 37-year-old who mm. you 
let into your home because he needed the child psychology assignment. And for him, it was an assignment, but it was also like mm-hmm. a learning point and something that was meaningful beyond just turning in a paper and whatnot. And I'd like to turn it on the listener today. And uh, I want you, if you're listening, you're a part of the Young Adults Today community. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast and hearing from great insight cross-culturally from Dr. John Dolliger today, but you have an assignment and that is to find one mentor and to find one referente, <laughs> one reference point. And what Can I, mean- I add a part to the assignment? Yes. And find one person to get together with. I was just going to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't let you finish. <laughs> no, we're, we're on the same wavelength, but right. that's your assignment is to find one person and to reach out to them this week. To find one person to elevate with encouragement and reach out and and text them or grab a cup of of coffee. And it goes both ways. We want to be poured into and we Mm want to pour out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to put five bonus minutes of overtime on the clock for Dr. John today. I've loved hearing your thoughts over the years of the referente and uh, the mentoring. We know it's a passion of yours, something Mm -hmm. that both you've um, lived out, but you also are modeling. And I think that um, we're just going to put five minutes on the clock and hear a few more thoughts, final thoughts from you. And the first is what's God been up to in your life and what's, what's something that maybe you've been learning or that God's been teaching you lately? Yeah, probably one of the biggest things is that um, I am wired to do some things really well. And there's other things that um, just because of my personality, my wiring, my the way I work, uh, just don't work as well for me. So it, it takes also a little bit of humility to realize I'm not very good at some things and uh, I just need help and to ask for help. And for, for in my case, it's always been a little hard to ask for help and to tie people in. So, uh, so that's one of, been one of the big things I've been uh, doing some reading and doing some thinking and praying and, and recently just the Lord is helping me to kind of make some decisions uh, based on just the reality of not only my strengths, but also my weaknesses and to play as much as I can to do the things that I'm better at and not frustrate myself every day with things uh, and tasks that I'm not that good at. Well, I'll tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. But here's question number two. Here's hopefully a fun one. What's your favorite sports team? Uh, well, back in 2013 and 14, when the Golden State Warriors had a great run, the Splash Brothers um, yeah. were in there just starting up their their big rise. My kids and I, my boys both played basketball in high school. We just uh, fell in love with the Warriors. And in Costa Rica, we can get Warriors games and when we don't always get other, other games. And so... Uh, I'm still a big fan, huge Steph Curry fan. So yeah, that's, that's probably my number one that I always check every day when I, when I open up my stuff. So yeah. That's fun. I think there's a real case that Steph Curry changed the game with just the long ball of three points and just (laughs) um, there's, there's not really been another like him that I can think of. uh, He's an exciting player to watch. How about the way he moves without the ball? So it's that's the unglamorous work. He he runs around like nobody else and gets himself open for those shots. And so uh, that's the part that that's the part that people people like to hook up the three pointers, but they don't like the hard work of actually running around to get open. So, wow, <laughs> oh my that's, gosh, that's the truth. And uh, this is the curveball for you. If you could ask Mike and I a question, a anything, what would you want to know?
So what would be your dream project if you were to be remembered for one thing that as a couple you built and developed over your life? It's a deep question. Go for it. I think we are currently in the infancy infancy stage of it, to be honest with you, um, to start a nonprofit organization, um, Young Adults Today. It's seven months old. It can almost be eight, I think, on February 1st. But just realizing like we wanted to, we want to live and leave a legacy. And we want to leave a wake of God's name and leave people and places better than we found them. And I think that's one of our anthems is to point people to Christ in that. And the ministry is hopefully going to outlast us and the people that we've impacted and the Holy Spirit's allowed us to come in contact with or be used by and all those things, I think is one of our dreams. One of our passions is to see each generation reach for Christ and where it starts. We're like, well, if it doesn't start with us, then who's it going to start with? God lent this, this idea. And if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. So I think that is one of our lifelong journeys or legacies that we want to leave. And it's not in the name of Micah and Josiah, obviously, but if there's anything people can, you know, take from us or our lives or marriage or ministry is that Jesus is Lord. So maybe you have a different answer, Josiah. No, spot on. Add to that. It, it's <laughs> the faith in the next generation. We, we've talked about it even today. One generation is to tell the next of the marvelous mm-hmm. deeds of God and we want to put our stake in the ground at the intersection of 18 yeah. to 30 yeah. from high school to college, college to young adults, adulting's hard, but young adults are alive to thrive. Mm-hmm. And we want them to know the hope that's in Jesus and to live their life for him, for his glory, for his name. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what it's all about for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great question, John. Fun question. We'll dream more about it too offline, but um, yeah. you could go any place and bring one snack road trip, vacation, just, just talk possibilities here. What would be your go-to snack in your grab bag and where would you go? Well, let's talk about the go. Um, so Jennifer, my wife was an exchange student in Bangladesh with the Rotary club for a year after high school and the family that she stayed with there has become family of ours uh, over the years. The little sister uh, that, she hung around with, um, it now lives in Chicago and hired my son. So that's kind of weird, but I've never been to Bangladesh. So I really want to go to Bangladesh to, to, uh, to visit, uh, her family over there and to, uh, and to make that connection myself to see that, that setting. Cause it was such a powerful time for Jennifer. Um, what snack would I bring? Um, I'm always, I'm always, uh, in for deluxe mixed salted nuts. So, um, yes, that's, that's probably right. my favorite, my favorite snack. Can't go wrong with that. All right. Question number five. If you can leave the listener with one word of encouragement or advice today when it comes to where they're at currently, what would you leave them with? Okay. The people of God. We're all part of the people of God. Not just Christianity isn't just about me. It's about me being part of the people of God. The people of God has always been an unbroken chain of real relationships of personal investment in one another. Second uh, Timothy two two, the things that I've that you've heard me say in front of many witnesses, you pass these on to other people who then are able to pass them on to other people. That's four generations in one verse. 
and and you are somewhere in that chain and you have received something from someone you've received mentoring and training and personal investment and teaching from somebody and it's our and it's our duty uh, and our privilege and joy to keep passing that on because that's what the people of god is and so um own it own own your place in the people of god um, develop your own personal adult faith. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but you be an example of faith and perseverance and service and love and Bible reading. This is First uh, Timothy 4.12. And uh, there's going to be things that disappoint you. There's going to be things that hurt. There's going to be things that suck, um, but but it's worth it to to push through and to develop the faith that God wants you to have. I love it. That is a great challenge to leave us with and the listener with to really understand that we all have a place and then let's link arms together and further God's king together, kingdom together with humble hearts and willing hands. Right. So John, Reverend John, Pastor John, Dr. John, what do you go by? All you know those- what? In, in a lot of in a lot of young adult and youth things in Costa Rica, I introduced yeah. myself as Uncle John. Uncle because, John. Because oh, it's just more approachable. <laughs> Well, Uncle John, thank you so much for tuning in with us. And if you want to find out more about Costa Rica or mission trips or what John and the Dolliger family is up to, you can connect with us at youngadults.today for more information. And John, we are just so honored to have you join us today. So thank you. Yes. Can I pray with you? That'd be awesome. And with all the young adults and young adult leaders out there. Heavenly Father, every one of us belongs to you. You created us with your image stamped on our hearts. And uh, we are made to know you, to love you, to serve you. And But we need each other. And I pray for those that are serving as young adults leaders, Lord, that you would give them the humility and grace and curiosity and faith to keep on reaching out and keep on studying your word and keep on praying with and talking to and listening to and believing with young adults. And for every young adult that's wrestling with their faith. They're asking the question, is this mine or is this just something I inherited from somebody else? Lord, I pray that they would each have those moments where they meet you, they find you, they serve you. And in serving you and in believing, those muscles get stronger and they become all that you want them to be. And I pray that you would bless each one, even today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Dr. John. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. Plug me in, I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.